Hey there. This is Jim. I was just thinking. So it is going to be a slightly longer program today. I'll explain why as I truck up the big hill in front of my house on a completely cloudless Saturday morning. Temperatures have dropped significantly. It's about 64 non-humid degrees this morning. Just glorious midsummer morning for a run. chest strap is functioning and constantly sending data to my watch as my watch is buzzing every so often as my heart rate is going up 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 as am I on this hill about a quarter mile hill I have to walk to the uh, the crest of the hill where I actually start running. I'm going to use this portion as a warm-up of sorts. Plus, again, depending upon where you get your data from, this is anywhere from a, a 10 to a 12% incline. So, not what I want to start my long run with. I run up a 12% incline for a quarter mile. So, we'll just walk it. I have a number of things talk about, but we're going to pick it up on the run. Just wanted to set this show up. I think I need to do a a belt adjustment. My hydration belt feels tad loose, so we'll go and pause this and we'll come back when I'm on the run. foxes in front of me now that are playing in the road. We have a red-tailed fox around here. So, and it's right after sunrise. So, yeah, you're looking at me, aren't you, red-tailed fox? Hello, red-tailed fox. Where's your foxy friend? There's two of you. That's one of you in the corn. There's got to be another Foxy. Where is Foxy number two? There's Foxy number two. Also running into the corn. 
albeit the other side of the road. <clears throat> so, and that's good, you're running away from a human, which means you're not rabid. I'd have a problem if you were rabid. I should probably come at me. So, all right, well, good. And we're back. So, I mentioned this is going to be a slightly longer show. I just got finished a few shows back saying we're going to go back to the original plan for this show. Come out, talk about one topic. When that topic is exhausted, then we're done. So the show might be five minutes, the show might be 20 minutes or 25 minutes. I suppose there's possibly topics that might require a full half hour or so to get through, but I would think those would be rare. So these are going to be short programs that you can pop on and, you know, maybe while you're having breakfast, you can get through and you can have the satisfaction of clearing another show from your podcast queue. I mentioned before is the problem with the two and a half, three hour shows. You need to have that kind of time to get them out. And unless you have the time, it can be difficult to clear a lot of long shows out of your podcast queue. So you run into the decision and you do you just wipe the show because it's taken so long to get through it that the information's no longer current if it's that kind of a podcaster they've already got a new show that's out or you try to slag through it all in case they reference stuff in a new show that they assumed you heard in a previous show. What do you do, right? Individual decision though, isn't it? It's an individual decision. So, I thought, well, I'm not gonna add to that anymore. Make these shows small, so you can get through them quickly. Which left me with a, uh, a bit of a conundrum. So I have two shows that I'm on. I'm on this one, which is me and only me. <clears throat> I have another show, which is Run Talk Run, the podcast, that I predominantly do with my friend Anthony. Sometimes with my buddy Dwayne, sometimes with my buddy Nate, sometimes with my lovely wife Susie. But it's pretty significantly Anthony and I doing that show. Well, for a number of reasons this year, Anthony and I have had trouble getting together on Saturday. 
and so I have done I think two maybe three shows at that other show where it's been a solo it's been what my old podcast The Seeker used to be me going for a run and just kind of spontaneously talking about what I want to talk about. So, you know, something happened like two foxes playing in front of me. Well, then I would reference that. We'd talk about that. Or if we'd see a family of geese crossing the road, we'd talk about that. Probably make a comment about my good buddy Anthony, who geese hate. It's really, it, it is, it is a red-hot passion. They hate that guy. I have no idea what he's done to geese worldwide, but they, they flat-up hate him. I've seen it. And so I'd reference that. And then, of course, anything I felt like talking about that was on my mind. Well... I don't have that kind of show anymore. I have a show that's just me for single topics. And I have a show that's supposed to be dialogue and longer shows. So, yeah, we're going up a hill. You can hear it in my voice. Um, so, what to do? Well, one option, and I did consider it, start a third show, right? That will just be what the seeker used to be. Long form, spontaneous dialogue from just me. When I have these kinds of runs, place for these shows to go. And since I run four times a week, that might be a lot of shows. Who knows? I don't record every run, but when you run alone, it does make the run go quicker if you're talking, even if you're just kind of talking out loud to a microphone. So, and yes, we're ignoring the walk break because we're going downhill. We're just doing kind of like a lope, very easy jog down the hill. Because what goes up must come down. And that includes the landscape around here. So, anyway. So I thought about doing that, and I'm like, do we really want to go to the trouble of creating a third show? I don't know. I mean, it's easy enough to do. The platform I use is called Anchor FM. Be easy enough to create the show, and then just put these there, and then every type of show that I do has a unique place to go, but 
Well, I'm going to keep up with a third show. I don't think so. Which brings me to topic really number one. So another friend of mine won't mention the name um, in case this person's had second thoughts. Um, has thought about creating their own podcast. Had a long conversation with this person uh, via Facebook Messenger about the uh, pluses and minuses of creating a podcast. And I thought, you know what? It's good information. This person likes the info. So maybe you will too. So in case you're thinking about creating your own podcast, well, a couple things to think about. First thing, who's your audience? That's your number one decision right there. Who is your audience? And what are you going to provide them? All right? For me, my intended audience, anyway, are fellow runners, and, you know, this show is for just thoughts on the run. Anyone could listen to this. You don't have to be a runner, but probably helps to be one. And, of course, the show called Run, Talk, Run. Well, duh, that's definitely for runners. And it's intended for people who are doing what I'm doing right now. They're running by themselves, but they wish they had somebody to run with. So I and one of my many friends, well, my lovely wife, we provide a conversation for you to listen to while you run. That's the reason those shows are also a tad longer. Right? Like probably the average run people do is probably closer to the hour, maybe even hour plus. So it's nice to make those shows a little longer because then it feels like you've had somebody for the entire hour to two hours you've been out running if you're doing like a long run, right? And I get it. Some people's long run is 30 minutes. That's fine. Um, but I think most people's long run is an hour plus, so main reason why those shows are longer. That's that audience. But then the next thing you need to, you need to think about, and it's, it is a close second to who you want to talk to and what you plan to tell them, is will you enjoy doing it? Because let's face it, Even if you're doing what I'm doing, 
some of my other friends do in the podcast sphere. I mean, there is still a little bit of work that's involved. Got to go and bring your microphone with you. Got to remember to record. Got to remember to come back. You might need to post-produce it, so clip bits out that you don't want to go up. Splice the thing together. I have a friend, I think, who probably records probably two hours of dialogue and then cuts that out to bring it down to 45 minutes, like the best 45 minutes. To create the most interesting show out of that two hours of recording that he can make. But you need to have the time to do that. You need to like doing that. So, I would say number two is you have to enjoy what you're doing. Alright? Because it's not a high-paying place to go into. I mean, there are people who you know, they make their life off of this. And I'm sure Joe Rogan is making most of his money off of podcasting these days. But Joe Rogan also has sponsors. People who are paying him to, uh, to be on his show. And other people who have, you know, sponsorships and stuff. Um, and I had a friend of mine who had a, I thought, a very good show. Pre-sponsor. And then he took on a sponsor, and then, of course, the sponsors want a product now, so he had to put out a show every week, which he wasn't previously. He had to have a weekly show, and uh, of course, he had to talk about this particular product every show, because they are paying him, right? And uh, it wasn't like a million dollars or anything like that, but nonetheless, you know, even if they give you five grand... They're going to want their five grand back in product. So you can do stuff like that. There are people who also do the Patreon route. So a couple shows I listen to, they're always yakking about being a patron. And send your five dollars every month to me. Um, Now these shows all tend to be more research focused and so what these podcasters are attempting to do is not only put forth an audio product but also put forth merchandise so mugs t-shirts stickers things like that um one show I listen to, um, guy's an author, so he'll give out signed copies of one of the books he's written. If you donate at a particular level, and it's very much like PBS, for those of you in America, public broadcasting, which is forever having their campaign. Or if you donate at the $60 level every month, here's all the stuff we'll give you, right? So that's the Patreon thing. So, I mean, it gives them money to, you know, get special guests 
on the show because, of course, the host either has to travel to them or the guest has to travel. And, you know, that isn't going to happen unless it gets paid for. So, if the host is going to travel, they have to pay for the airplane ticket to be where the guest is going to be. Or, if they want the guest to come to them, then they're buying the guest an airline ticket. You know, or a train ticket, or whatever they need to get there. Possibly, possibly a hotel for the night. Right? In order to get that premier interview. Right? So, that's how some of these shows go. But of course, part of that show is always and I apologize for the terminology, but shilling for money. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of that myself. I mean, I get why they do it. But I personally don't enjoy talking about raising funds in order to do what I'm enjoying to do, right? I like presenting this as a free gift. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And I don't feel constrained to have to say anything. Because nobody's paying me. So, and now to use the phraseology there, I can keep it real, yo. I hope people enjoy. And that's kind of like the top three if you're thinking about doing a podcast. Figure out who it is you want to talk to. Figure it out. What it is you want to give them. What do you want to say? And then figure out if you would enjoy doing that. Alright? I get it, sometimes you don't know until you try doing it, but, yeah, if you're not enjoying this, you will pod fade quickly. It needs to be something you want to do to keep this up, like anything else, right? Like any other habit, you know? You have to like running to get up early in the morning and go run. You know, you have to like puzzles to throw a thousand piece puzzle on a table and start putting it together. You have to like what you're doing. So, there you go. So, there's topic numero one. We'll now move on to topic numero Dose de Svai Ado. I mean, more like, which is, can I say two? Ni. That's Japanese, by the way. Um, do I know any other languages? Uh, I think Italian is dual, right? I think it's close to the. 
sure the French do. But I think they say duo. Anyway, there you go. There's your tour through the list of languages I have in some shape or form running through my head. All right, topic two. Topic two is a short one. I put it up on Facebook, but man, whew. so since we've started this whole coronavirus experience, it's almost like a rock band, isn't it, you know? You had the Jimi Hendrix experience, now you have the coronavirus experience, you know? <clears throat> one thing I've noticed, and it's probably just because out of a routine where I would normally get up every day and shave so I look presentable for work. Since I'm working from home, the only person that's going to see me is the mirror and my wife. There, let's face it, there are days I get up and go, yeah, I have, uh, I have brushed my teeth. I've done the other necessary things that one does in the bathroom. I've washed my hands. I think we're good today. We won't do the shave thing. And before you know it, you have the coronavirus beard has shown up. Well, I know it's not this quick, but man, it seems like I don't shave for a day and I have like insto beard right now. I'm sure it's probably closer to three, three days of not shaving. But yeah, it feels like, you know, if I shaved on Monday, I skipped Tuesday. When I wake up on Wednesday morning, boom, coronavirus starter beard is right there. And I know when I was 19, and I wanted facial hair and I couldn't grow it. You just had this little wispy stuff that would grow over my upper lip. Now, oh crap, I mean, it's, it's going right down my neck. I mean, we've been doing this thing for four months right now and Oh yeah, I would be ZZ Top right now if I had just stepped away from the razors since uh, since the end of March with the amount of uh, hair that's growing, that's growing now. I have no trouble growing a beard now. It's like boom, right there. And I noticed that yesterday. Again, Real reasons, probably. You're just out of your routine. This whole thing has forced us into new routines. Um, I mentioned this before. I think I'm getting a, uh, I'm getting a, an early look at what retirement looks like. Hey, pup. Hey, pup. All 
not. You can go back to your yard now. I'm coming back. You do that shit again, I'm talking to your, to your owner. Just letting you know. Yeah. There's friendly dog, and then there's that. Didn't snap, but right out into the road. Right behind me. And not these folks, but on the route that I take for my long runs, which is what I'm doing, I have been bit before, and that's what happened. Guy's dog came screaming off the porch into the road where I was, came up behind me, and took a bite out of my right cheek. That dog is no longer with us. I called the uh, the dog warden as soon as I got home. And that's what they do around here. They they quarantine your dog then for ten days to see if it's rabid. Because if it is, then you have an extra fine coming. But after that, your dog gets put down because. Your dog's running into the road biting people. Mm-mm. Not okay. So, they have another dog. They have a smaller dog that uh, they usually have on a leash when they put them out. They don't usually let them loose. But this is a different dog. The other one will come out and go to the end of their driveway and, and bark at you there. But that's more of a, you know... Hey, hey, notice me, notice me. I'm talking to you. Yeah, buddy, you, I'm talking to you. It's more of that kind of a thing. This was definitely the, I'm gonna chase you thing, so. I won't do this on this show, but yeah. I have to go back that way twice, so. They're out again. Let me let their owner know that your dog's running into the road and coming up behind me and snarling at me, so that can't continue. So, but most people around here have decent dogs. Um, you know, their dog's up a ways down this road. Um, there's a neighbor on my road that's got a dog. Actually, my next door neighbor's got a dog. That dog's never loose. <clears throat> that dog's always in their fenced-in backyard. Um, my neighbor across the street and down the road, a house, actually has two Dobermans that will come to the end of the driveway to, um, to bark at you, but that's where they stop, <clears throat> and dobies who can definitely be vicious if you, uh, if you do that with them, they don't strike me as being the I'm going to kill you kind of a dobie bark, and uh, when they're out and they're loose, their owner is always within shouting range, 
And so they'll come down the driveway and they'll start their barking. And, you know, either, either the husband or the wife will shout out to the dogs, knock it off and come back, and they turn, run around and come back. So that's fine, right? As long as you have control over your, your pet. But yeah, this, you just go do what you want to do shit. That's not, that's not okay. That's not okay. So. <clears throat> All right. So. Anyway. As you can tell, this show is now rated R. What do we are? No, actually, this would get you a PG-13. Yeah. Yeah, PG-13 is what you get rated in the States for the word shit. So. Or, as they'd say across the pond, shite. That's the, that's the Scottish way of saying it. It's all shite. So. It's my Scottish relatives would say. Not sure if the Irish say shite. I know the Brits say arse as opposed to ass. If I'm correct, might not be. I believe an ass in British speaking would be an animal, right? It's a type of donkey, right? An ass. Whereas somebody who's acting like a donkey would be an arse. So I believe the Brits have separate words for both of those. There you are. Topic three. Curse words across the pond. Yep, there's another thing right there. If you ever watch English or even just UK programming and compare it to American programming, one thing certainly you notice is that we're definitely a lot more, I guess the word would be prudish here in the States as to what's allowable to be said than the Brits would be. So, you know what you can say on regular TV is a lot more in British TV than what you can say on American TV. You know, unless it's cable, you know, or satellite. You know, if you're a fan of Mr. Howard Stern, of course, you can... He can let loose now that he's on, what is it, Sirius F XM on satellite. He can say whatever the heck he wants, and he does. Whereas when he used to be on, on radio, you'd either have to bleep him, or he'd have to modulate his speech, or the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, as it's called here in the States, 
would fine him and his radio station lots and lots of money, potentially yank him off the air. It's, it's hardcore here. I'm not playing when it comes to that stuff. So, but when I was growing up, we only had four ratings for films. G, general audiences. PG, parental guidance, R, restricted. So 17 and older, right? Was the, uh, that was the suggestion. I mean, I knew people who, who went to go see R-rated movies with their older relative. But, yeah, yeah, I don't think you were getting in on your own to an R-rated movie unless you were at least 17. You could prove you were 17. And then, of course, X, which was porn. Still is porn, right? So, now, of course, we have G... PG, PG-13, so parental guidance, nobody over 13, under 13 should see this movie, right? R, uh, we now have NC-17 for the art films that come out that otherwise would be considered soft porn. I'm thinking about things like stuff that Bo Derek would do. And then, of course, you still have X. And we're going to have a walking neighbor. This is the lady who never talks, just smiles. Morning. smile. Yep. Doesn't matter how loud I am. Always the same response. It's a big friendly smile. Put your hands up and then scrunches all five fingers three times. So it's like the five finger wave. Deep, deep, deep. That's her wave. That lady's been waving to me for probably five or six years. Always the same thing. Never actually says hello, but big smile. Hand up. One, two, three with all five fingers. And by that time, we've passed each other. I always catch her going the other way. I never come up from behind her, it seems. I always seem to catch her going the other way. So, here you go. <clears throat> but, anyway, back to our topic of cursing. So, if you've noticed, You know, Americans, it seems like we have 
I don't know, eight to ten curse words, and we just repeat them, or we try to, you know, we try to spice them up with other words, you know, you know, like qualifiers, you know, so, and again, this is going to get adult here, but, you know, instead of saying you're, you know, you're an asshole, or you're a bitch, we'll qualify what type of asshole or bitch you are. Well, you're a dumb bitch. You're a, you're an effing asshole, right? We're going to stay away from the R-rated word there today. We'll stay away from the F-bomb, you know? Well, we might string a bunch of them together, but they're always the same words we know. And then you go to Europe, particularly the UK, and they have every word we have, and about 12 more, right? I mean, the number one they're always dropping, which is not a curse word here, is that word bloody. Bloody this and bloody that, right? It's absolutely a curse word there, but nope, not here, you know? Or if I remember correctly, um, the word bastard is not considered a curse word in the UK. Definitely is one here. So, and then they have all kinds of other things. And, you know, I'll just refer you to a British show where they curse a lot. Actually, um, oh, what's his name? The dude that married Madonna. Um, uh, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Um, snatch. Guy is his name, right? Guy something. I forget his name. Anyway. Watch one of his movies. You'll hear every British curse word there is. Plus ones that we have here, one in particular, that you absolutely cannot say without having the, uh, the death stare in the US. It's actually, it is actually very much the, uh, the unpronounceable word in the States. If you're a, uh, fan of C.S. Lewis and uh, the uh, Chronicles of Narnia trilogy. He actually did a prequel book um, when the professor that the kids meet later, of course, was a kid and he and his friend was a woman pop into the wardrobe because they're the first ones to go into that wardrobe and go into Narnia and they travel around a number of other worlds and in one world just called Charn C-H-A-R-N so like charm but not an M an N Charn everybody there has been decimated except for one person who you'll meet later if you read the story who destroyed all of that world by saying the unpronounceable word. 
And apparently it was like it was like a magic word. And when you said it, people just fell dead. There is a curse word in the States. And if you say, it is almost like that. People fall dead. But I've heard the Brits use it. And apparently it's like not a thing. So watch a couple of uh, Guy Ritchie, that's his name. Guy Ritchie. Watch one of his movies. You'll hear it. You'll know it as soon as you hear it. You're like, holy cow, I can't believe you just said that. If you're a Yank, right? If you're an American, that word will stand out. Because you never hear it. You are off the air immediately after saying that word here. Your career would end on radio and television if you broadcast that word. It is the unpronounceable word in the States. So. And no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not even going to hint what it sounds like. So. Just letting you know it's there. So. so there you go. My second topic for today. So, next topic, heart rate. So let's see where we're at right now. Pop this down. My heart rate right now is 121. I know that because I'm wearing a Garmin 620 heart rate monitor. That's right, I'm coming to you with my real radio announcer voice. How's it sound? I could also do jazz radio with this voice. Or if I whisper a little bit more, I could do golf. Because I have a theory that the jazz radio people and the golf people are the same dude. They sound exactly the same. So, there you go. Crank up the volume, and then you've got the jazz radio guy. Come on down. And then really crank it up, you've got the power, power, power. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It's the same guy with the same modulation in his voice. It's all the same dude, you know? Just how much volume on this guy's voice do you want to crank up? So. Welcome to America. Yep. We like recycling. Even voices. So. Anyway. Heart rate. So. I've been getting into heart rate training in my later middle ages which is where I am um, I think some people would argue I've been from the middle ages a, long, a lot longer than uh, my chronological age would indicate but topic for another day but uh, yeah I'm wanting to focus a lot more on heart rate because of course as you hear me say every single show, I give you a short, some days not so short, weather report. And of course, your weather affects how your run's gonna go. You know, if you're getting a sunny 45, 50 degree day, you're gonna have one run, do the same run in 90 degrees, and humidity, that run's gonna look different. Do that same run in 
freezing temperatures and a biting Arctic wind, you're gonna have another run. And the one thing that's definitely gonna tell you how hard you're working, even though the distance we might be exactly the same for all of those runs, is your heart rate. So it's your nice internal clock as to how are you really doing. So since that's really where I care about now, I've kind of wanted that data to be a lot more accurate. And while it's nice to have a wrist sensor, it's good for things like monitoring your sleep, because of course it'll look for, well, my watch anyway, will look for your heart rate to do that drop that it does when you actually fall asleep and go, okay, you're not moving, your heart rate just dropped 15, 20 points, you must be out cold now. All right, we're gonna start timing this as being asleep. Then of course, as you wake up, your heart rate starts to increase, and that's how it knows. Okay, you're moving, your heart rate's back up, you must be awake. Or how it knows that you're awake in bed because you're tossing and turning and your heart rate's up. So, good stuff. Good stuff. We'll take an extra walk break here. I uh, foolishly forgot my scoosh band. And if you are not a, not a uh, an owner of the scoosh band, let me just tell you the, the one reason why you need a scoosh band. And yes, we're ignoring this one. Eyes. This is the one reason you need a scoosh band. If I mean, there are other reasons you can come up with, I'm sure, but the one reason you definitely need one, and yes, I'm moving the mic so it might be getting louder and softer. Apologize for that as I'm cleaning off my eye sockets. It's to get all that sweat comes off your forehead and just does a little circle right around your eye socket to eventually get into your eye. That's the thing you need it for. It's perfect for that. You just take it and just pad your eye socket two or three times. All that sweat's gone. You're good to go, all right? Don't really use it for my forehead. I have a hat for that. Um, um, nothing else sweats that I would want to use the scoosh band for, but that thing is just perfect for getting the sweat out of your eyes. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And like a dork, forgot mine today so yeah yeah it's it's a must-have in the summer or anytime that you're gonna run and you know you're gonna sweat I don't need it in the winter around here because yeah <laughs> the last thing I worry about in my winters is having sweat in my eye sockets if I did my eye sockets would freeze shut so it's not as big a worry then um, it isn't bad though in the winter when my my nose will start to run. If you want to use it, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a nose hanky there and you can kind of tap your nose if it's starting to run rather than wiping it all over your arm, right? The snot rocket thing I find, at least here, doesn't work as well in the winter when it's cold 
than it does in the summer. The heat kind of makes it a bit more viscous, makes it easier to propel with that little toot. That doesn't work so well in, uh, in 12 degrees. Just doesn't, you know? It's more like trying to propel a, a moist pee from your nose or a, you know, some sort of goo. And you just end up, it just ends up all over your cheek and that's kind of gross. So, I will admit I have used the, uh, the scoosh band keep the bottom of my nose from looking disgusting after a run. And they're easy to wear. I just I usually just wear it on my wrist with the uh, spongy part facing towards the back of my hand. Right? So then that way if you need to pad something you just bring your arm up, that's already in place, tap, tap, put your arm down, and then any fluids are on the outside of your body as you run, so you're not likely to have it on the inside and maybe accidentally rub it against your, the side of your body or your belt and, you know, deposit something you don't want on yourself. So yes, I've actually thought this out. Now there you are. So, there it is, but heart rate. So, I wasn't sure that my, my belt, or my heart, yeah, my heart rate monitor chest strap that I got with my 620, which I bought, geez, 2013, I think, maybe 2012. Um, there's a ways back would actually pair to my Phoenix 5 that I own now but it does huzzah so I know where the the chest strap for all of my runs let me tell you what I've noticed so far so like in the morning my heart rate's generally pretty low in the morning anyway when we're doing wrist measurements and, uh, and so, you know, if my heart rate on my watch with the wrist measurement is reading, say, like 75, um, 68, it's usually what it tends to read after I've been up, had coffee, and I'm just kind of taking it easy in the morning, but I'm still kind of moving around. I'm not sitting for any period of time. As soon as I put my chest strap on, I'm gonna just say 75. It reads that within a minute, because it'll recalculate from the chest strap then, which of course is directly over my heart. The medical term for that would be an apical pulse, because it's essentially over the apex of your heart. It's not exactly where I would take an apical pulse, I was using my stethoscope, but it's close. So, 
Anyway, I'll put that on. It'll recalculate. And every single day I've done that, I've watched my heart rate drop anywhere from 10 to as much as 20 beats per minute. Um, so again, you know, if it's reading 75, a minute after I put the heart rate monitor on with the chest strap, all of a sudden I look down and it's reading 62, you know, or 58. Today was, was no different. I was walking around and it was reading, what was it reading? It was reading 90, I think 92. And I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of high. I can't imagine my heart rate's that high. Put the chest strap on, 72. It's like, okay. And I've been noticing, like, when I'd start a run with the, just the wrist-mounted heart rate, I might have early heart rate data says that, you know, I'm spiking up into, like, the 150s, 160s, and I'm like, are you kidding me? My heart rate's 160. I cannot talk. That's high for me now. And here we are right now. I am... Let's just look. 4.87 miles, an hour in. My heart rate's 127, which makes sense. I'm talking, and uh, I am running. It's not like I'm not breathing heavy at all, but. Yep, definitely better. So now, when I see this start to climb to say like the 140s, you know, I know, okay. Um, I'm definitely starting to feel it as opposed to before it was like, I don't know. Am I having a bad day? Did I not sleep enough? What's going on with this heart rate? Just wasn't accurate. So. We're gonna take a break here, come back. I'll let you know if dog is still on the prowl after we're done. See you then. All right, we're back. We're probably about a quarter mile away from the dog house, so to speak. And he or she was back inside. So I have a feeling, because it's early, they put him or her out to go do its duty, figuring that there was nobody around and the dog would uh, not get itself into trouble. And then I came running by and voila, trouble showed up. So. Those folks have been there. Don't know their name, but those folks have been there for probably about two, three years. They've got about a 15-year-old son that I've seen riding his bike up and down the road every so often. And uh, 
like I said, usually they're dogs on a leash. Although I've seen another one. So maybe that one died. Maybe this is a new dog. Uh, I've not seen this one before. Um, so maybe they're still training it. Um, but, you know, wave. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Um, so. Say, it's a mixed race couple. The only reason why that's important, if it's even important at all, is uh, African Americans out here in the country, in South Central PA, are um, are rare. Um, interesting though, every place I've lived, and I've lived in some rather homogeneous Caucasian areas in my life. There always seems to be an African-American nearby me. Um, wonderful family that grew up next door to the house I grew up in. Named the Wallaces. Um, wonderful. We're, we're great friends to this day. Wonderful people. Um, there's this guy who, again, take this one instance with this dog out. Very pleasant guy. So, I wonder, and I won't dwell on this, as I was describing this gentleman to you, and since I think most people who know me know that I am about as Caucasian as it comes. I wonder how many of you got a mental image of an African-American gentleman. I'm betting, I'm betting probably not many. I'm betting most people saw a Caucasian dude and his Caucasian wife in your head. So, well, I don't want to go down the whole institutional racism thing. We do have mental pictures that we tend to default to. And I think it's not a bad idea to re-examine our defaults from time to time. So that's all I was trying to point out with that. sooner we see each other as people, not as black and white, Irish, Italian, Protestant, Catholic, religious, atheist, the sooner we see each other as just people, I think the, the sooner we're going to see all this nonsense that's going on start to fade, if not completely go away, and to quote Mr. Gump, that's all I have to say about that. So, all right. So we should probably wind this down. I have about 
what? It's mile six. I got four miles to go for this run, then I'm done. And then I need to go help my wife with some sort of a project because we're actually getting decent weather on a Saturday. So it's been the, the bane of our existence this year. Yes. Not big fans of doing all kinds of heavy work around the house on a Sunday. For, uh, for religious Christian reasons, right? It's supposed to be a day of rest. Which, of course, means if you work Monday through Friday, your day to get all that other stuff you need to get done outside is Saturday. Unless, of course, you're a Seventh-day Adventist, and then that day is Sunday, right? You're a Seventh-day Adventist taking today as their day of rest so but either way the way it's worked out is we've tended to have crap weather uh, on Saturday glorious weather to work outside on Sunday so I'm like you know if you want me to stop mowing the lawn on Sunday God you need to give me some decent weather on a Saturday. Because the lawn needs to get mowed. If you need me to not do weeding on a Sunday, then you need to give me good weather on a Saturday. Because the weeds still grow. Well, I'm getting good weather on a Saturday, so. If I blow it off, well, this one's on me then, isn't it? It is going to get warm later today, so. My lovely wife is actually out in the barn today. Working on a horse stall. So, we have mats down. These large rubber mats. That the horses actually stand on. And then, of course, shavings on top of that. To help clean up certain things that fall from a horse. Um, so it's like a large litter box. Um, it's actually very much a large litter box that they stand in uh, when they're inside. So let's take an extra walk break. It is definitely starting to get warm. So, um, but as they spin around their stall after a while, um, our one horse in particular tends to create ruts uh, in the, uh, the floor where he's shifting too much. So we just got a whole bunch of stone dust. It's called crusher waste. Uh, we have to pull those mats up and then re-level the ground underneath so that the mats lay flat and don't, you know, like one corner will lip up and all of a sudden, yeah, I'll help you. He'll be pushing poo-poo underneath the mat. And, uh, yeah. It's enough of a visual, isn't it? Yeah. Probably more than enough of a visual. This is my walk. And then we'll pick it up again. So, 
we end up having to do this about every five to six years uh, for this horse in particular. Our other one doesn't tend to shift so much, so he tends to just kind of like stand. So his stall is fine, but the other one, you know, I think one day I'm going to come out and find him doing a, a 1980s breakdance spin on his head one day. He moves so much. And so, but he's the younger of the two, so got more energy when he's stuck inside. You know, we're having hot weather they come in. We're having particularly cold weather they're in. You know, we're having rain they're in. Because I can get something called rain rot. It stands outside the rain too much. Plus, they'd be staying in the mud so they can get mud fever. I'm standing in mud. All kinds of things. Yeah, they survive in nature and they survived in nature for long periods of time, but you know, nature also wasn't trying to keep a horse alive for. 25, 30 years, you know? So if you made it 15 and nature took you out, so be it. Nature was replacing you. But horses are expensive, so it's a lot easier to keep the ones you have healthy and they keep buying new ones. They're very much like automobiles. Much easier to keep the one you have in good shape and running. And they always go out every two to three years and buy a brand new one. A lot more expensive to do that. <coughs> so. That's what she'll be doing, but yeah, she's only gonna do that until probably about noon. And then that takes care of outdoors. So I'm gonna go back after I finish, see if she needs help, which she likely will. If not, there's a few other things I wanna get to before noon and we get our 90 plus degree sunshine here and it's a little warm to work outside. You have to kinda retreat indoors until the evening. So, but that's the routine in the summer here. You know, try to get out early, do what you want to do until about 11 or 12, because by then it's a little bit too hot to work outside. You come in, advantage of the air conditioning or a pool or a water park or some such thing to keep cool until about 6.30 as the sun's starting to go down and the temperature's starting to break. out so about 8 8 30 
And then the sun goes away, come back inside, clean up for bed, and uh, night, night, Sally. There you go. All right. So what else? What is there to talk about? Well, as of this recording, the Greenville Swamp Rabbit Marathon is still a go. They have not scrubbed it. In fact, my friend Tim lives in the Chattanooga area. Actually, did a actual race with people, right? Probably about three weeks ago. Heard him talking about it. One of the many podcasts I listen to. So. had the social distance in the corral and you had to have a mask on in the corral but uh, you know once you got running then uh, I think you were you were asked to try and stay keep your distance from people right so if you could pass them and give them some space when you did it you do that you didn't try to brush shoulders when you pass people but you know, you can only do what you can do. But you can take your mask off when you ran. I have a feeling that's what Swamp Rabbit is going to look like. Assuming it goes off. I've seen a number of other races that have now gone belly up for 2020. Chicago went belly up. Of course, Boston's gone belly up. New York has gone belly up. Um, Indianapolis Monumental has gone belly up. Um, there's another one. Oh yeah, my friend Misty who uh, lives in Arkansas. There's a race there in Fort Smith, Arkansas that has now gone belly up thanks to COVID. So I think there's more. Um, and, uh, we'll see what we will see. Um, but, yeah, so far, Swamp Rabbit's a go. So, this is right now, on the 26th of October, my wife and I are hopping on a train. And we are headed down to, uh, to Florida, Sanford, Florida, getting off the train and um, getting our car off the car carrier after we spend a day meeting with her friend Joyce and my uncle who live in that area. And then we're going to be making our, our trek back north. So. Leave on the 26th, we'll get to Florida on the 27th, which is Tuesday. And we'll finish Tuesday in the uh, 
St. Augustine, Florida area. That's where we plan on sleeping. Um, then the following day, 28th, I'm hoping um, to make a quick trip early in the morning to uh, to Jacksonville to go have a quick run with Coach Chris Twiggs. We'll see if we can make that happen. There's a lot of time between now and then, but that's the loose plan anyway. So, so we can do that Wednesday morning before we continue traveling north. And then we're gonna check out Savannah. We thought about going to um, to the Brunswick area, so Brunswick, Jekyll Isle, St. Simon's Isle, Little St. Simon's Isle, known as the the uh, the Golden Isles of Georgia. But ever since that fellow runner was uh, was killed by the father and son duo filmed by a friend that's always heartwarming right yeah let's film your friends committing a crime fantastic um yeah um been less enthusiastic about checking that area out does seem to th seem like that area's got some it's got some issues shall we say that are more akin to the 1950s than the uh, than the 2020s and that's all I've got to say about that so I think we're going to just skip that whole area go straight to Savannah and check out Savannah. That'll be Wednesday. And then we go to um, Charleston on Thursday. And that's what we do on Thursday, check out Charleston. We wake up Friday morning in Charleston and then head northwest. I wanna say it's 26 is the highway in uh, South Carolina that takes you from Charleston to um, to Greenville <coughs> so we can get there eh, probably around noonish 11 o'clock noonish maybe right before before lunch so we can get to the expo get my uh, my bib and all my swag However, that expo is going to go. And then the following morning, Saturday, is the race at either 6 or 6.30 in the morning. So it's dark. I think it's 6, though, at the, uh, it starts you out at Furman University. And then you basically, I think you run around Furman once think I'm not sure about that but very shortly after you start you are on the swamp rabbit trail which is a paved 
basically bike path that'll take you from Furman all the way into downtown Greenville. And we finish in what's referred to as Fleur Field. Looks like flower, but the O and the U are reversed. So it's Fleur Field. It's where the local minor league team plays. And I think there's something historical about the field. Um, it's the oldest still usable minor league field, I think. Um, there's some history attached to it with baseball. So. so that caught my eye. So. And with a six-ish, anyway, start, if I do a five-hour marathon, which would be a standard run for me, nothing fast but not slow, I'm done at 11. Gonna have plenty of time to get back to the hotel, get a shower before we check out. But we're not gonna check out. We were planning on staying in Greenville Saturday night, because it's Halloween. We'll see what Greenville does for Halloween 2020. And then we'll leave on Sunday. And then right now, we're gonna head to Asheville, North Carolina. Um, um, possibly either Saturday and make it a day trip because it looks like a day trip be kind of a thing from Greenville and then uh, possibly uh, cross the uh, the mountains into Tennessee check out northeastern Tennessee like Knoxville and the Pigeon Forge and that whole area so before we head up 81 probably take a side trip through Charlottesville because we love Charlottesville Charlottesville's a nice little nice little city um, uh, what else? And then just head home. Um, plan is to get home at some point on Tuesday, because we have, I have vacation all the way through the following Tuesday, so I have a little over a week. Then Wednesday, I go back to work, but as it stands right now, work's going to be in my house. Absolutely no plans for us to go back. to in-person classrooms right now. And I think by the time we get to Halloween, um, I personally think we will have been doing remote training long enough. It will be almost eight, eight months at that point. And I think, uh, I think the finances of not having to heat a building for people to show up at not having to print material, um, but email it. Um, and I not have to do all the things that have a cost to them. 
with in-person training um, are going to go away um, in lieu of, you know what, been doing this online for so long, seems to be working. To use Forrest Gump again, might as well just keep on going. So I think that's where we're headed. Um, telemedicine has just taken a huge leap forward because we had to. So both my provider here in PA and the providers I work for in the hospital enterprise I work for in, in Maryland, all of them, because you, you have to do telemedicine so, in order to see people. So, yep, it's been a big thing. So that's where we are. There it goes. All right. So if I turn here, I'm gonna get about eight and a half miles. So I'm gonna go a little bit further. I would like to get 10 today. I've been, I've been shy on my miles this week for a host of reasons, uh, for my 1,000-kilometer trek across Tennessee, which doesn't include my miles from yesterday or obviously today. I am exactly two-thirds finished. So as of Thursday morning, actually, yeah, as of Friday morning, before my walk on Friday, I had completed 66.6% of the 1,000 kilometers. Exactly two-thirds. Which is like 480 miles or something like that. I think. Yeah. 480 miles. So, I did a, a 5K walk yesterday. So we'll add those. Plus another 10 today, so I am now on the last third of this run. My buddy Tim, by the way, is finished, so he's completed this last week, but I think Tim is pseudo-retired now. Um, I know he was doing lots of work pre-COVID, and I think He's either consulting remotely. I haven't asked him, so I don't know. Or he's straight up retired. He said, you know what? This is enough. This was a, a second career for him anyway. He already retired from his first career. And then he got a... He got a godfather offer of a job, right? I'm making an offer you can't refuse. And uh, that's how he presented it to me. It was financially an offer that too good to turn down. So he came out of retirement. But I don't know. I haven't seen anything or heard anything. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone back into retirement thanks to COVID. Seems like he has more time to run around his house now. So. 
that may be what happens. And you know what? Good for him. I'd like to be able to retire in my mid-60s. I don't think that's... I don't think that's going to be feasible financially, though. I think I'm working until I'm 70. It's okay, though. I like what I'm doing. So... It's not a... It wouldn't be an imposition to do it until I'm 70. Which is less than 16 years from now. I posted that on social media as well. As I already know my retirement date. If I retire at 70. Which for those of you who are not Americans. That's as long as you can work. When it comes to Social Security, you don't get any more money for working later. They give you more money if you hold off on retirement until later, because obviously you're going to need less of it. Because the longer you wait, the closer you get to not needing any money at all, shall we say. Right? So, so if you retire early, you get less of it every month. So... And like I said, I like what I'm doing, so I don't mind continuing to do it for, what are we now, 15 years, 11 and a half months or so. So, won't be the worst thing. But yeah, financially, if I could afford to retire at 65, I would. Because as I started out on this show, I think I've I've seen a uh, a glimpse of what retirement's going to look like for me. I'm going to wake up one day and look in the mirror and go, "Where the heck this beard come from? I just shaved two days ago. What's this all about? Man, you retire and all of a sudden your beard grows faster." That seems like a good bookend to end this show on. We finished where we started. So, there it is. So, thanks for uh, stopping by. Just stop just for a second. Take a little extra walk. And uh, thank you for uh, tagging along. I'm going to finish out my 10-mile run today and upload this later, probably around lunchtime, when it's hot and I need to be inside. So, thanks for uh, sticking with this long program today. Stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, until we speak again, take care. <laughs>